Well, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, this message this morning is very, very critical. I hope, uh, hope during this whole time we could all have a turned heart and a praying spirit. Uh, I like to be unveiled in a fresh way together with you. I like to hear the Lord's fresh speaking. May the Lord open our eyes to see Jesus. See Jesus. Well, you know, uh, brothers and sisters, in the banners... Um, for the conference, if you look at the banners, and um, I would just like to come to the last banner, and when we come to the last banner, um, well, the last banner is the present truth. This is the present truth. This is the Lord's burden in this age, uh, and this is what the Lord wants us to enter into. How about we read this last banner together? We must receive the Lord's mercy to be his overcomers who bring in a new revival in the Lord's recovery by arriving at the highest peak of the divine revelation, by living the life of a God-man, and by shepherding people according to God in the vital groups for the building up of the body of Christ. So we have to receive the Lord's mercy. May, may we just open to the Lord even right now. Amen. Lord, we come to you as a throne of grace to receive mercy. Amen. Find grace for time we help. We need to receive mercy to be his overcomers, to bring in this new revival to turn the age. And we will talk about these three aspects of the new revival this morning. I would say this is really the burden uh, in this message. And brothers and sisters, we, we, we need to realize when we talk about a new revival, again, we are not talking about the revivals in church history, you know. Uh, we're not talking about being revived in this conference and then going back and going down, right? Um, we're talking about a revival that is a living it is a living. It is living the life of God, man, of a God man. It is a corporate group of people living in the reality of the economy of God. Amen. And this corporate group of people becomes a corporate model of overcomers living in the economy of God, living in the reality of the body of Christ. And this corporate model actually becomes the greatest revival. Actually, we become the revival, to bring the Lord back. Okay, now if we come to message six, let's look at this outline together. Uh, well, before, before we uh, actually get into the outline, uh, I would like to point this out. You know, uh, in, in Roman number one, we're going to talk about the unique ministry of the New Testament. Brothers and sisters, and, and there's a point here that we will read, but I would like to say this at the beginning. Actually, the Lord's recovery is to bring us back to the unique ministry of the New Testament. Amen. And we want to see what that ministry is this morning. I would just, uh, I would like to say this uh, to us in an initial way, even in an experiential way. You know, you've got these verses. Of course, we sang the song, 2 Corinthians 3.16. If you look at this whole series of verses here, and... Um, I'll just write this down so, so we can have this. I may write on the board a lot. I'll just see what happens here. Okay, you got 316 through 18. And then the next verse after verse 18 is verse 1 of chapter 4. 
in verse 16, Paul says, actually, Paul is talking about those, those people reading Moses. They're reading the Bible, the Old Testament scriptures. But when they read the scriptures, a veil lies on their heart. And why? Because what Paul says, oh, it's so wonderful. Praise the Lord for whenever. Amen. How about right now? Right now should be a whenever, right? Amen. Whenever Amen. the heart turns to the Lord, Amen. the veil is taken away. Amen. Actually, brothers, says our turned away heart is the veil. So whenever the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When we turn up, we have to remember the Lord as the Spirit is in our spirit, right? Amen. And our spirit is the hidden man of our heart, meaning that our heart surrounds our spirit. You know, conscience, mind, emotion, will. The conscience is a part of the heart and a part of the spirit. So whenever our heart turns to the Lord in our spirit, the veil is taken away. And then it says in verse 17, it says, and now the Lord is the spirit. When you turn your heart to the Lord, you have a fresh realization the Lord is the Spirit in my spirit. Amen. Right? Amen. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is boredom. Freedom. What? Freedom. Freedom. Freedom from the letter of the law. Right? Freedom to enjoy Him. So, and the Lord is the Spirit. See, this, this, when you turn your heart to the Lord, great things take place. I don't care how, you know, forget about your feelings and everything. When you turn your heart to the Lord, oh my goodness, I mean, the machinery of the triune God gets activated. The veil is taken away, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Then verse 18, it says, and we all, with unveiled face. You know, you can see from these verses that our real face is our heart. That's your real face. That's why, that's why, you remember when Samuel went to uh, anoint David to be the king, of course, he thought all these other sons of Jesse were, you know, surely this is the king. And then he went down and he says, do you have another son? He goes, yeah, he's out there tending the sheep. You know, and then, and then the Lord spoke to Samuel, I don't look on the outward appearance. I look on the heart. Amen. You see, our real face is our heart. When we turn our heart, we have an unveiled face. You see, the Lord, he sees our heart right now. He knows whether our heart is turned to him right now. So we like to say, Lord, keep my heart turned to you all day long. Then it says, and we all, that's something corporate, that's for right now. And we all with unveiled face, beholding. Brothers and sisters, what I want to do in this meeting is behold the beauty of Jehovah. That's all I want to do. You know, if you look in the mirror in the morning, you might get discouraged. (laughs) If you look at me, you know, you know, we shouldn't look. We have to look at Christ in one another, right? Look at him. And so we're beholding, we're beholding him. We're getting infused with him. And beholding and reflecting like a mirror. Whatever we behold, we reflect. Am I right? If we behold Christ, we reflect Christ. Beholding and reflecting like a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed. See, 
That means we're in the process of being transformed. We are being transformed from glory to glory. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray that our Christian life and church life would be from glory to glory. That means glory is increasing in us. From glory to glory, even as from the Lord Spirit. That means the Lord Spirit, he is the glory. And as, as he increases in us, we are going from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. And that is the expression of God. Now, the next verse says, Therefore, having this ministry, as we have received mercy, we don't lose heart. Brothers and sisters, we do not lose heart. We have this ministry. And saints, what is this ministry? You know, and and we will talk about it in a larger context and in 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 a context as members of the body of Christ. But brothers and sisters, we need to realize that as members, we all participate in the unique ministry of the New Testament. And so... Here we are, we're all members of the one body. There is one ministry for the building up of this one body. But as the members of the body, when we are beholding him and we are being infused with him and we reflect him to to others, that is this ministry. That means we are participating in this ministry. This is why every day we need a fresh infusion of God. You see, this is our service to the Lord. You can't serve the Lord if you don't spend time being infused with God every day. Again, I've said this many times. I've got this in my office. uh, And, you know, in a plaque, it says the highest profession on earth is to spend time being infused with God. So that we can glow with God and shine forth God. Isn't it wonderful to come in a room and see people glowing? I looked. I need some glowing saints this morning. Oh, Lord Jesus, I need you to shine into me, right? Okay, so so we need to take care of this now. If you come to uh, Psalm twenty-seven four, this really touched me last night when Dick was sharing. You know the psalmist. He says, "One thing I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, right? To dwell in the house of Jehovah all the days of my life." We need to pray, Lord, I want to dwell in your house all the days of my life. I want to dwell in Christ. He's the house. I want to dwell in the church. The church is the Lord's house. And I want to dwell in my spirit. The experiential house of Jehovah. So, you dwell in the house of Jehovah all the days of your life to do what? To behold the beauty of Jehovah. And what? And to inquire in his temple. You see, this is to participate in the ministry. You behold You get infused with him. You get infused with his person, with his element, with his essence, his intents, his feelings. And then you inquire. And your inquiring is to pray his intercessory prayer for his enterprise. And so this inquiring here is a reflection of his heavenly ministry, like we saw last night. And again, this is beholding and reflecting. Now, brothers and sisters, let me add a verse to this. I love this verse. This is just so fresh to me. And this is Isaiah. Probably you've never seen this verse before. Isaiah 60, verse 5. You know, in Isaiah 60, this talks about the children of Israel in the millennial kingdom. They'll be revived. But, of course, as the church, we are the real Israel of God. And as the Israel of God, 
All of this needs to be our experience. In verse 1, it says, Arise, shine. We need to shine, right? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of Jehovah has risen upon you. That's verse 1. When you come to verse 5, I love this. It says this, You will see and you will beam. I tell you, you need to pray, Lord, make me a beamer. And I found out when I, when I said this, I said, we need to be, oh, excuse me, James, can you hold this, please? I'm sorry. I, I found out when I said the word be, you know what, we live in a church like bubble, I don't know a lot of things. I found out, is it true that a beamer is a BMW? I don't know, you know, the young people said, oh, that guy is a beamer. You know, I found out it's a BMW. Well, I'm not talking about that. Forget about that. We need to beam God into people. Isn't that wonderful? You will see. You see, you see him, and then you beam him. And we beam him into people. See, that is the genuine New Testament ministry. Okay, then you come to Acts 6.4. You know, we had a... I'm sorry, I'm losing... losing board here. Acts 6.4. You know, we had a message on prophesying. We had a message on prayer, uh, intercession. You see, saints, we need, to, we need to follow the pattern of the apostles. They said, we will give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. To pray is to see God. To minister the word is to beam him into people. You see, and that is prophesying. So all of this is to participate in the New Testament ministry. Now, you know, Brother Dick and I were fellowshipping. I just want to share this with you. This is the last session. You know, I want you to go away with some practical encouragement and help. You know, brothers and sisters, we need to, I'm going to say this again to all of us, you know, old, young, however we've been around. We need to spend personal time with the Lord every day. This is a must, a must. Um, okay, I'll just say this. You know, our... Christian life should be like the dawn. It should be fresh, new. We need to walk in newness of life. We need to serve in newness of spirit. It is very striking that if you look at Psalm 22, it says this psalm is composed according to a certain melody, and this melody is called the hind of the dawn. I mean, what is that? I don't know what that sounded like. Uh, It probably sounded like this. That that sound like that, you know. Anyway, the hind of the dawn. You know who Christ is? Christ is not the the rhinoceros of sunset. Right? He's the hind. He's the hind of the dawn. That means he is in our spirit as a leaping, living, active, fresh, jumping, new, young deer. Right? He is the hind of the dawn. He is so fresh, so new, always leaping, always jumping, always active. You look in Song of Songs too, the the seeker, she's seeking the Lord, she's loving the Lord, and what happens to her? She gets caught in introspection. Is there anybody in this room who has ever been introspected? Oh, yeah, we're all in the same boat, right? And when you, when you look at yourself, that's not encouraging, right? 
and you look at yourself and you analyze yourself and, and the more you look at yourself, the more you analyze yourself, the more you think about yourself, the more you get trapped in yourself. Right? And so the, the Lord, he's trying to bring the seeker out of her introspective self. You look in Song, Song of Songs chapter 2, she's imprisoned in herself and there's a lattice there. And, she, you know, th- I'm really encouraged with this. Even when we're trapped in ourself, there's still a window there where Christ can see us. Amen. You know, we can see him. Anyway, she looks at the last and she sees him. He's a leaping, living, active, jumping deer. He's leaping on the mountains. He's skipping on the hills. He says, come away with me, my love. Come out of yourself. Quit looking at yourself. I am the mountain leaping and hill skipping Christ. Maybe some of you have a test tomorrow. I don't know. But, and you may say, well, that's a mountain. Well, he's the mountain leaping Christ. Amen. He's the hill skipping Christ. Amen. Not only is he the hind of the dawn. Listen, you have this phrase in Psalm 110 verse 3. The womb of the dawn. The womb of the dawn. If we are going to be in a new revival, we need to pray over Psalm 110 verse 3. Psalm 110 is the highest revelation of Christ. In this psalm, we see that Christ is the king, Christ is the priest, Christ is the warrior, Christ is the victor. Even Christ is a drinker in this psalm. When he comes back, the overcomers become a brook to satisfy his thirst on the way of his coming. The key to experiencing this high, vast, awesome, rich, wonderful, precious Christ is in verse 3. In verse 3... It says, your people will offer themselves willingly to you in the day of your warfare, in the splendor of their consecration. Brothers and sisters, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, we need to make a fresh consecration to the Lord. Day, we need to have daily consecrations. At least daily, right? For sure daily. Even more than daily. Even right now. We like to say, Lord... I take you as my burnt offering, consecrate my whole being to you for your recovery. You do that, you'll be revived. Don't hold anything back. Hey, Lord, I like to surrender everything. I like to open my whole being to you without reservation. I like to give you every part of my being, every area of my living, every cent of my money, every second of my time. You do that, you will be full of joy. I like to give myself to you for the master's enterprise. You offer yourself willingly to the Lord. It becomes a splendor to him, a splendor of consecration. Then it says, your young men will be to you like the dew from the womb of the dawn. Isn't that wonderful? You have the hind of the dawn and the womb of the dawn. If you want to enjoy the hind of the dawn, you need to get into the womb of the dawn. Isn't that wonderful? You get up, you offer yourself to the Lord, and then, you know, saints, we all should be young men. You know, on the one hand, we're the bride of Christ, right? On the other hand, all of us, brothers and sisters, we should be young. We shouldn't be old. It's possible to be a young person and be old, right? It's possible to be an older person and be so young, so fresh, so living, so new, enjoying the now present Christ. The one who's the I am. So, saints, when we have time with the Lord, our time with the Lord in the morning is like a womb. 
It is the womb of the dawn. And when we, when we enjoy Christ in that, oh my God, there's a lot here. I can't say too much. I got to get to the outline. But actually, he is the womb of the dawn. He is the one. You get inside of him, but it implies morning revival. You get into him, and what happens is this. You are in a womb, and Christ gets infused into you. Something fresh of Christ gets conceived in your being. And you birth Christ. You bring forth Christ. And that Christ that gets conceived in your being makes you do do to refresh him. Do to water him. Do to satisfy him. Do to make him happy. Do to make him say, your love is much better than wine. Say, your love is better than wine. The one says, your love is much better than wine. Anyway, there's, there's a, isn't that precious? Saying Psalm 110.3 is so critical. And then you have Proverbs 4.18. It says, the path of the righteous will shine Shine what? It, oh, I'm sorry. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. Right? So you have, you have the hind of the dawn. You have the womb of, the, womb of dawn. And you have the light of dawn. Who are, what's your last name? <laughs> Faith, right? <laughs> this morning it's dawn. <laughs> We're from the grace country, right? Our last name is Faith Dawn. <laughs> so it says, uh, the path of the righteous. Our path should be like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day of the Lord's coming. Brothers and sisters, we need to, you know, Brother Francis Ball recently went to be with the Lord. The brothers can testify. His path went brighter and brighter. You know, like I said uh, in, the, in Friday night, Francis said, that his life was from the Bible to the body. I really enjoyed that. I mean, that is the Lord's recovery. That is the Lord's recovery. But brothers and sisters, we need to pray that, oh, Lord Jesus, may our path be brighter and brighter. It's a tragedy when we start out bright, brighter, brighter, and it becomes darker, darker, darker. That's a tragedy. We need to pray, Lord, save me from this. You know, uh, it's, a, it's a great warning when you look at Solomon. And you look at 1 Kings 8, he built the temple, the glory of God filled the temple. But at the end of Solomon's life, it was not a good ending. It was not a good ending. And um, anyway, I hate to see, I don't want to see anybody have a bad ending. I don't want to have a bad ending. And, and we need to pray for one another. Amen. You know, Jacob, okay, you have Solomon. Then you have Jacob. Did Jacob start out good? No. Was he a nice guy? No. He's a bit terrible. Even in his womb, he's fighting his brother. Wrestling. He wants to come out first. Jacob was, uh, you know, he was, he was not someone you would say is good material for the church life. I mean, look at his family. You'd say, man, these people need counseling. <laughs> I mean, what is this, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the church life, right? This is how, how, how the Lord transforms us. And Jacob, you know, he goes to Laban. You know, he, first he cheats Esau out of his birthright. 
It is, which is that, that's an amazing story, man. The Bible is really written by God, right? You could never. And then he runs away and he goes to Uncle Laban's house. He went from the frying pan to the fire, right? And at Laban's house, he was in the transformation room and Laban cheated him and he cheated Laban, right? But at the end of his life, he was filled with God, right? He's leaning on his staff, blessing Pharaoh. His path became brighter and brighter. You see, that's that's the way we want our Christian life to be. All right, now, saints, bear with me. You know, I have the burden at the beginning. My real burden is to share this opening word with you, and then we'll we'll read through the outline. Okay, now, I want you to follow me. I shared this in St. Paul. To me, it's a great revelation. I only had so much time in St. Paul. Three of us gave this message, Ron and Menorah and myself. And I had to just, whew, I had to, boom. You know, I just wanted to get it out. But I like to go a little slower this morning. I tell you, this is absolutely awesome. Listen, I said again, the Lord's recovery is to bring us back to the unique ministry of the New Testament. And the unique ministry of the New Testament shows us every aspect of the new revival. If we are brought back to the unique ministry of the New Testament, we will be in this new revival. You know, I would like to remind us, and, and um, you, you know, of course, um, we have that box set of books that we put together, you know, that has all the ministry of our brother in the last three years of his, of his life, which we were burdened about that, because that's full of the high peak truths and the highest peak of the divine revelation. And um, if I didn't work on all of those, I edited mostly all of those. But, but there was something that I never heard before. It was when we were in Russia, and Benson and I, we went out with Lin, Brother Lin Hong and Brother Simpson from Taiwan. And Brother Gerald was there. He translated for us. And the brothers in Taiwan, they would spend two times a year with Brother Lee that would come from Taiwan and have fellowship uh, with him. And he said something to them that touched me so much. I believe James shared this. But I had never heard it put quite like this. Uh, our brother said, he said, he said uh, I went to the Lord and asked the Lord, Lord, why did you give me these high peak truths? He said, then I got clear. These high peak truths will bring the Lord back. That is a great thing, brothers and sisters. And they are for all the Lord's children. That means if you don't get into the highest peak of the divine revelation, and I mean in sight and, you know, endeavor in experience, uh, we can't bring the Lord back. You know, here we are, we're, at the, we're in the last days. We are in the last days. You know, it uses this phrase in Daniel 2, the last days. Uh, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, the Lord gave you this dream of this great image to show you what will happen in the last days. Brothers can you believe Nebuchadnezzar had that dream of that great image? And Daniel told him, the Lord gave you this to show you what will happen in the last days. And here we are, thousands of years later, in the last days. That is amazing. And so here we are at the highest peak of the divine revelation. Brothers, there is a big battle over this. And I... I I don't know how much to say. I, I just, you know, th- this this talk, and I hope it's it's fully uh, 
purified out of all the saints' minds. But, you know, the devil tries to poison people. It really, I really get grieved and, uh, with some of these things. You know, uh, there was this talk among us, oh, these high peak truths are too high. Are too high. Let me just tell you something. That is devilish to say that. That is devilish. Absolutely devilish. When you say that, you dismiss them. They're too high. They're too high. So, I've said this before. I'm sorry. Can you imagine if the Lord, here he is, he said, boy, look at these fishermen. Matthew 5 through 7. Too high. I can't speak that to them. How about Matthew 13? Too high. Matthew 24 and 25, manifestation of the kingdom. Too high. How about John 14 through 16? John 14, the father's house. John 15, the son's vine. John 16, the spirit's child. John 17, the oneness and the triune God, which becomes the oneness of the body of Christ, which is the enlarged oneness of the co-inhering divine trinity. Too high. Just throw away the Bible. It's all too high. Listen, it's too high because we're too low. I'm sorry, I've said this many times. Our God in Luke 6, he's called the Most High. And we are sons of the Most High. So this revelation is a Most High revelation to make us the sons of the Most High. To bring us up to this highest peak. All right, now, in, in, um, you know, with the ministry, brothers and sisters, uh, let me write these verses on the board so, so you can have them. The first thing we have in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 6 and 8, is we have the ministry of the Spirit. What is the New Testament ministry? The New Testament ministry is the ministry of the Spirit. Amen. Oh, Lord, give us more of you as the Spirit, Lord. Amen. It's the ministry of the Spirit. Listen, the ministry of the Spirit is the highest peak of the divine revelation. You have to realize, when, when this is recovered, what is recovered is the highest peak of the divine revelation. Why do I say that? Because it is only by the Spirit that we can be deified and we can experience every aspect of God's salvation, right? The Spirit is in our spirit. And when we exercise our spirit and we touch the spirit, he is the key to God's organic salvation. Regeneration, right? Uh, sanctification, renewing, transformation, confirmation, glorification. All this takes place by the spirit who gives life. Amen. You see, this is why our brother paid such a price to minister on the life-giving spirit. No life-giving spirit, no high peak of the divine revelation. So he paid a big price, right? It is the Spirit who gives life. And Paul says, we are ministers of a new covenant here. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life, gives zoe. And this is the highest peak of the divine revelation. You know, Athanasius, I wrote this down. He made this statement. He said, the Word was made flesh that we partaking of his spirit might be deified. Amen. You see, the word was made flesh. Why? Why did God become a man? And why did he become the life-giving spirit? So that we could partake 
of his spirit and be deified. That is the highest peak of the divine revelation. You know, and saints, again, I've said this before, you know, I wish I had a cup of hot water here. I did this one time. It is so, you know, and when we use this example of tea before, you know, if you have a, a cup of hot water and you put a tea bag in there, that water is teaified, isn't it? It becomes tea. When the same way when we receive the Lord, God in Christ as the Spirit, he came into us as the divine tea bag. Right? And when the water's hot, the kids, the dog, the brothers, the sisters get stirred up, you get, tea, you get deified. But you know, the water becomes tea in essence and element, but not in the tea bag. It doesn't become the tea bag. So we become God in life and nature, not in the Godhead, right? So, this is the highest peak of the divine revelation. You know, if you look at the book, The Divine and Mystical Realm, you look at the first chapter. It points out that the Lord's recovery is the recovery of the critical points of the Spirit of God in the move of God's eternal economy. And, and you consider all the aspects of the Spirit that we enjoy and we still need to enter into. In the Lord's recovery. You know, one is in John 7. It says the spirit was not yet. What does that mean? The spirit was not yet. This is the ministry. The ministry ministers the spirit who is now. But the spirit was not yet there. Anyway, we don't have the time. But what does that mean? That means the, the drinkable spirit was not yet. The spirit that can come into you, you can drink of and can flow out of your innermost being, the all-inclusive spirit of Jesus Christ, the life-giving spirit. And, of course, we know the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That's another aspect of the spirit. This spirit is typified by the compound ointment in Exodus 30, marvelous with all those ingredients. In Romans 8, you have the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ. You have Christ himself. You have the indwelling spirit who is the triune God giving life to our entire tripartite being. That is a great recovery. And another aspect is you have the sevenfold intensified spirit in Revelation. You see, so the ministry of the spirit, this is the highest peak of the divine revelation. That is the first aspect of the new revival. So this ministry of the spirit is a deifying ministry. It's a deifying ministry. You look at verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 3. Uh, Paul says in verse 2, he says, I want you Corinthians to know that you are our letter inscribed in our hearts, known and read by all men. Then in verse 3, he said, it is manifested that you are a letter of Christ ministered by us, inscribed not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. You see, that is... That is a deifying ministry. Paul was full of divine and mystical ink. Right? And so when, when, when he ministered to the saints, that ink came out of his being. And that ink got infused into them, into their heart, and wrote Christ in them, and they became a letter of Christ. Amen. So when people looked at the Corinthians, they could read Christ in their being. Amen. They could know Christ in their being. That is the New Testament ministry. Okay, now, if you look at, uh, you come to verse 9, this says the ministry is the ministry of righteousness. Now, 
What is righteousness? Righteousness is the living out and genuine expression of Christ. We're talking about Christ not just as our objective righteousness so that we can be justified before God. Just like the prodigal son, he got the best robe, right? That's Christ as our God-satisfying righteousness for our justification. We're approved by God according to his standard of righteousness. But righteousness is also the living out and genuine expression of Christ. He is our righteousness. And what is that? That is the God-man living. Since the genuine New Testament ministry brings us into... Firstly, this ministry is a betrothing ministry, betroths us to Christ as our husband, stirs us up to love him, infuses us with the divine and mystical ink of the processed and consummated triune God to Christify us. Not only that, this New Testament ministry brings us in to the living out and genuine expression of Christ, which is the God-man living. Isn't that wonderful? Consider, brothers and sisters, a lot of you, I'm looking at you've been in the recovery for a long time. Isn't it wonderful that we can be brought into a ministry and we can read notes and books that talk to us about living Christ? Isn't that wonderful? I believe we all have an aspiration to live Christ. Right? Not to live ourselves, but to live him and to magnify him by enjoying him and by eating and drinking him. You know, in Psalm 43, you look at verses 13 and 14. It talks about the church as the bride of Christ, and it refers to her as the king's daughter in verse 13. And I wrote these verses down. It says, the king's daughter is all glorious within the royal abode. Listen, Christ is our royal abode. Christ is our palace. When you are in your spirit, you are in Christ, and Christ is your palace. And we take him as our royal abode. We're all glorious within the royal abode. It says her garment is a woven work inwrought with gold. What is that? That is Christ as our objective righteousness for our justification. We have one garment, right, for our justification. But verse 14 goes on. And what verse 14 talks about is our wedding garment. We need a wedding garment. And that is what the Lord is doing day by day. He is preparing us to be his bride. And so this verse says, she will be led to the king in embroidered clothing. Embroidered clothing. This is our wedding garment. What is this embroidered clothing? It is Christ embroidered into our being day by day as the transforming work of the Spirit for our victory. Saints, Christ is doing needlework on us day by day. And sometimes it's painful, right? But through our environment, through our hate and prayer, he is stitching himself into our being. And that's preparing preparing us to be his bride, to have him as our wedding garment. Okay, now if you come to chapter 5, in, verse, in 2 Corinthians, you see another aspect of the ministry. You have the ministry of the Spirit. That's the highest peak of the divine revelation. Right? Revelation 22. The Spirit and the Bride. Amen. Eventually, the Spirit is the processed and consummated triune God, and the Bride is the processed and consummated church. Amen. And they marry one another. And they are one entity. The ministry of the Spirit. 
the highest peak of the divine revelation. The ministry of righteousness, God, man, living. What is the ministry of reconciliation? That is shepherding. Am I right? What does Paul say here? He said God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's one step of reconciliation. And we got saved, we got reconciled to God. We used to be his enemies. Now we're his friends. Now we're his sons. Now we're Christ's brothers. But reconciliation doesn't stop there. Paul was very burdened here for the Corinthians. Yes, you, you came out from the outer court into the holy place. You enjoyed the first step of reconciliation. But you need another step. You need to be reconciled all the way into the holy of holies. I don't want you to be a person living in your flesh, living in your soul. I'm burdened that you would be a person who is living in your spirit. So Paul says, be reconciled to God. God put in us the word of reconciliation. We have the ministry of reconciliation. And this ministry of the New Testament reconciles us to God. So that there's nothing between us, us and God. Absolutely nothing between. You see, don't you need to be reconciled to God further? Amen. You know, in, in Hebrews, Paul says, come forward to the Holy of Holies. He doesn't say go forward. If he says go forward, that means he's not there. Right? Go forward. That, that's how we are a lot, you know. Go forward, saints. You know, go clean the restroom. How come you don't help clean the restroom? You know? Go do this. Go do that. Well, Paul didn't say go forward. He said come forward. I'm already there. I'm in the Holy Oils. I want you to come forward. That is the ministry of reconciliation. Saints, when we shepherd one another, what we're doing is reconciling one another to God. Haven't you experienced someone shepherding you? Felt there was a barrier between you and the Lord? And the Lord sent a, a brother or a sister and, and, and that brother and sister brought the Lord's cherishing presence to you, and you were just cold toward the Lord, right? And you were, you know, one time I saw a brother in the hall, I said, praise the Lord, brother. He said, same to you. You know, I said, oh, Lord, you know. <laughs> you know, I wasn't upset with the brothers. I was, I was Lord, forgive me. I wasn't sensitive to that brother. Amen. You know, you know, when you're down, sometimes... You know, in Proverbs, it says you shouldn't sing songs to someone who's, I can't, I can't uh, quote it exactly, but someone who's really out of it. You know, if you, if you, if you you're so, they, they just feel worse, you know? You have to come down to their level. To the weak, I became weak. You see what I mean? She said, same to you. And went, oh, Lord, I just began to pray for him, you know? Uh, anyway, you know, everything's okay now, you know? I say praise the Lord now. I say praise the Lord. <laughs> but my point is, is we, ha- we have to be reconciled to God ourselves, and then we reconcile the saints to God. This is shepherding. All right. Now, do you see this? This is the new revival. This is the recovery of the full ministry of Christ here. Okay, here. James, can you get that? I'm sorry. Man, you can see how old I am. Looking at it. <laughs> Just a weak vessel here. Okay. Now. You know where else you can see this? This is absolutely marvelous. You can see the new revival in Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Everybody takes Psalm 23 for granted. Uh, people recite Psalm 23 in foxholes. Uh, you know, uh, when, you're, when you're in trouble, you might 
uh, quote Psalm 23, but Psalm 23, listen, all three aspects of the new revival are in that psalm. The highest peak of the divine revelation, the God-man living, and of course, shepherding according to God. Now, let's consider this psalm. Firstly, brothers and sisters, listen to this. Psalm 22 is on, okay, wait a second. Is everybody with me? Good, good. Okay, hallelujah. This is a great revelation. A great, great revelation. And I don't care if you're, you know, real excited. I want you to see this. I want you to be able to share this. I really mean this. Okay, listen. Psalm 22. You have Christ's death, his resurrection, and his many brothers produced in his resurrection to form the church. That happened in the past. Are you with me? Psalm 22. You come to Psalm 24. Is Christ coming back to be the king in his kingdom? That's the future. What's Psalm 23? It's Christ as the shepherd in his resurrection. How does the Lord come back? He comes back through his shepherding. To me, it's amazing that the Lord led us to shepherding. You know, at the end of our brother's ministry, this is where we are in the vital groups, because this will bring the Lord back. So what do you see in Psalm 23? You see Christ shepherding the church, his flock, and his heavenly ministry as the life-giving spirit to dispense himself in his divine trinity into our being for the carrying out of his divine economy. That's what he's doing. Okay, so, you know, we're going we're gonna, to uh, reverse the order of the aspects of the new revival. But, of course, you see Christ shepherding here in this psalm. It says, Jehovah is my shepherd. I will lack what? Nothing. It doesn't say, I will lack nothing except fill in the blank. It says, I will lack nothing. When he shepherds you, you have no lack. Everything's, everything's wonderful. So if you look at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 23, it says, Jehovah is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. Verse 1 says, He makes me work so hard. He makes me what? What should you be doing this mean? We get so now, now of course we know, we're talking about inwardly here, right? Many times we're like we're like Martha, you know, Martha, Mary. We're just we're just and we need to serve practically. We need to do. We need to preach the gospel. We need to be living and active. But many times we're we're uh, we're not at peace inwardly, right? We're troubled, and here we are arranging chairs, and we're just oh, we're just troubled. We're not reconciled to God. We're worried. You know, uh, I just pray no one's thinking about tomorrow. i got to go to work tomorrow. Oh, you know, and you're just, you know. And Martha, she was serving, and she was so troubled. She wasn't enjoying the Lord. The Lord is sitting there, and she's bothered, and she's got God in her house. <laughs> Why are you bothered? God's in your home. You know? <laughs> and so she says, Lord, tell Mary, tell Mary to Quit lying down. She needs to be, she needs to be miserable. miserable like me. And she needs to be, of course, you need to, there needs to be practical service, you see? But what this shows us is we have to, in Luke, that we have to serve the Lord according to his desire and preference. 
you see? And so Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. And so the Lord told Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. We can put our name in there, right? <laughs> Daniel, Daniel, right? You know, Ed, Ed. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the better part. She has the best portion, you see. And what is that? That's to sit at the Lord's feet, listen to his word, be infused with him, and then you serve him according to his desire and preference. You know that, and then what did Mary do? She poured out that ointment on the Lord before his burial because she, that's where she got the light, you see, to do that. That's the way to serve the Lord. Okay, let me come back. We all need to pray, Lord, make me lie down. Amen. Hey, tomorrow when you wake up and you get out of bed and you're lying down, when you get up, say, Lord, make me lie down. <laughs> that doesn't mean lie back down. You know, that means inwardly. He makes me lie down in brown grass. Oh. Makes me lie down in poison ivy. Oh. Makes me lie down in what? Green pastures. Green pastures. Listen, Jehovah is the triune God. You can see the divine trinity here. I just love this. Hey, don't worry. I'm just going to read through the outline. I, don't, I really mean it. I'm just going to read to you. It's all, you'll be crystal clear. I want you to see this. I want you to see the Lord's recovery is the recovery of the unique ministry of the New Testament. Ministry of the Spirit, the highest peak of the divine revelation. Ministry of righteousness, the God-man living. Ministry of reconciliation, shepherding. Amen. 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 Thank you. I love that amen wherever it was from. Amen. amen. I can't say it like that, you know. Then you have Psalm 23. That brings the Lord back. Amen. Jehovah is my shepherd. That's God the Father, right? You could say that's God the Father. He makes me lay down, lie down in green pastures. Those green pastures, that is Christ the Son. He's green. He's fresh. He's new. He's living. He's delicious. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside Niagara Falls. He leads me beside the rapids of Colorado. He leads me beside waters of rest. I tell you, when you drink the Spirit, you drink in liquid rest. But you are, you are at rest inside. We have no rest outside of Him, do we? You see, that's the, isn't that the dispensing of the divine trinity? You see that? What are the waters of rest? The life-giving Spirit. You could say Jehovah, God the Father, green pastures, Christ the Son, waters of rest, the life-giving Spirit. That's shepherding. Then you come to verse 5. What does verse 5 say? You spread a... Oh, I believe he's done this this morning. You spread a table before me Amen. in the presence of everybody who likes me. Amen. I'm sorry, I'm doing the opposites here because I want to impress you. You spread a table before me in the presence of my adversaries. And saints, there's the enemy without, there's the adversary. You know, the, the enemy is always trying to bother us. He's, he's within the adversary. But in the middle of all of this stuff, you know, bombs, bullets. Oh, we are feasting on Christ here. Amen. He spreads a table before us. Amen. And who is the table? The feast, Christ the Son. He's our feast. 
Let us keep the feast. Then it says, you anoint my head with oil. You know, oh my goodness, our head is the biggest problem, right? Right here. I need, it needs to start. Lord, anoint my head with, with the Spirit. Right? Apply the process, trying God, to my mind. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is half empty. My cup what? My cup runs over. What is that? The, old, the cup running over is the Father as the source of blessing. The, our head being anointed with oil, that's the Spirit as the anointing oil. The table spread before us, that's the Son as a feast. That is the triune God. You know, hey brothers, listen to this. Could, could we see the triune God in these verses without the life study and the footnotes? That is just awesome to me. I want to do a somersault up here sometimes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I just, I, I really love Brother Lee so much. I tell you, man, I'm just so thankful that the, to, to show us the Bible. This is, this is the Bible here. Then it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Walk and run. Who's following you? Goodness. Mercy. Hey, Yemi, come here. What is your name, brother? Earl. Earl, come here. Earl, where are you from, Earl? I met you before. I'm from Boston. Praise the Lord, Earl. Praise the Lord. Here, Earl. Praise the Lord. Here's Earl. Goodness, mercy. Amen. Come on, you have fun. Praise the Lord. Goodness and mercy. Thank you, guys. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Saints, pray over this. Oh, Lord, goodness and mercy. I want to enjoy you as goodness and mercy. I follow you. You follow me. You know, some of you moved here from other places. You followed the Lord here. He's following you here. Isn't that wonderful? Goodness and mercy, follow me all the days I would dwell in the house of Jehovah forever. Okay, consider this. Goodness is the grace of Christ. Loving kindness is our translation. That's the love of the Father. Follow is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's a triune God again. Triune God's everywhere. Do you love the triune God? The goodness of the Father. The loving kindness of the Son. The following is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's, okay. Hey, Earl, I agree with you. Wow. Then you have the God-man living in this song. What do you see there? Look at verse 3. He restores my soul. Oh, saints, let's pray. I just pray right now. Lord, restore our soul. I need to be restored. What does that mean? He revives my soul. He transforms my soul. This is God's economy. He restores my soul. He guides me on the paths of righteousness. What does that mean? He guides me to walk according to the Spirit. According to Romans 8.4, the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled when we walk according to the Spirit. Those are the paths of righteousness. 
See, we need to pray this, Lord, restore my soul right now, Lord. I had to pray this this morning. You know, I don't know about you. You know, a lot of you young people, you're just like, you know. You know, but I wake up in the morning, I just, Lord, restore my soul, Lord. I didn't wake up like this. Hallelujah. Did you do that? Did you just, just rock it out of bed? Oh, praise God. You know? Well, maybe some days we have days like that. And it's mostly, oh, Lord, I need you. Get me up, Lord. Restore my soul. He is our prayer. That's the God-man living. How about verse 4? This is the God-man living. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Amen. That is the presence of the resurrected Christ with us as a comfort, as a rescue, and as a sustaining power to us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Saints, what matters in everything is that He is with us. Amen. That's all that matters. Hallelujah. Is He with us or not? If He's with us, everything's okay. Amen. Now, what's the highest peak of the divine revelation in this song? I will dwell in the house of Jehovah. The house of Jehovah is the highest peak of the divine revelation. What is the house of Jehovah? We know Christ is, is the house, right? God dwells in Him. But we know the church is the house of the living God. Amen. And we know our spirit is the dwelling place of God. Amen. Right? Amen. Ultimately, the new Jerusalem is the mutual abode of God and man. Amen. The new Jerusalem is the tabernacle of God for God to dwell in. He's the temple for us to dwell in. We dwell in him. He dwells in us. So what is the house of Jehovah that we dwell in for the length of our days? And the length of our days is the present age, the age to come, and eternity. That's the length of our days. And this house of Jehovah is the divine, is the universal, divine, human, enlarged incorporation of the processed and consummated triune God dwelling in his regenerated, transformed, and glorified tripartite man who is dwelling in him. And they become one entity, a great God-man for eternity. Amen. Hallelujah. That, that Psalm 23. That's a new revival. Okay, now one more one more. Okay, so you see that you see the three aspects of ministry. New revival. Psalm 23, new revival. Where else do you see the new revival? You see the new revival with the church in Philadelphia, don't you, in Revelation 3? You see shepherding. You see the God-man living. You see the highest peak of the divine revelation. What does the Lord want? He wants Philadelphia. What does Philadelphia mean? Do you think that actual city in eastern Pennsylvania is people just like us? just <laughs> Brotherly love. Saints, the Lord's recovery is the recovery of loving the Lord and loving the brothers. And shepherding brotherly love. And, and Benson and I, it seems like we say this every time, but we, we could never forget it, Benson and I. You know, brotherly's last word to the elders in Anaheim was you brothers need to love one another. And your wives need to love one another. And you need to love one another's children. I tell you, you do that. You're a vital group. You do that, you're in one accord. Amen. And, and I'm so glad, I, I, you know, like James and Dick, I can testify, we love one another. 
Amen. 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 Our wives love one another. Amen. You know that? I can say that in pure conscience. Amen. And we love one another's children. Amen. That's, a, that's, a, that's just a fact. And when we get together, our first thing isn't just, oh, we need to do this, do that, do this. You want to do that? I want to do this. Let's argue. <laughs> no, when you serve with some saints, your first, your, your first thing you're being should be, oh, I'm just burdened for these saints. Amen. Oh, Lord, I'm serving with Yemi and Earl Amen. on the campus. I just pray for Yemi. Amen. Pray for Trish. Amen. Pray for Earl. Amen. When I come there, I'm concerned about their about their soul being restored. Amen. That's number one. Amen. You see, it's not not to, to do things; it's to shepherd one another. Amen. And we do that, then we're in one accord. Amen. Then we go to MIT. Boom! The spirits in. Hallelujah. Amen. And we pray for you, brother. Thank you, Earl. Hallelujah. That's why. I'm here. Because you're praying for me, brother. Now, what is the highest peak of the divine revelation in, in, in church in Philadelphia? Well, it says, I will make him, the overcomer, a pillar in the temple of my God. And I will write upon him the name of my God. I will write upon him the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. In, in Revelation, it says that God's name is on our forehead. How about that? You have a name badge Amen. on your forehead. Amen. Not here. Here. And it says God. Amen. And you're a pillar in the Amen. temple of God. And according to Revelation 21, 22, it says the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple. Amen. So for us to be a pillar in the temple means we are built into the triune God. Amen. And we were a part of we're a part of God. Amen. Yes or no? Yes. That's right. Yes, Lyle. Yes. Hey, Christ is the yes. Remember? Second Corinthians chapter one. He's the yes, he's the amen. You say, oh yes, that's the Lord. I'm sorry. Okay, so we're built in him. He's built into us. We become a part of the infrastructure of God. That is deification. We're designated with God. People look at us. God. People look at God, us. Isn't that the high peak? Now, where's the God-man living? God-man living is I have the key of David. We're going to make it. No problem. You're going to have time to testify, too. You said that's a miracle, Ed. Say, well, God's going to perform a miracle. Okay, okay, listen. I have the key of David. What is that? That's the key to unlock the treasuries of the riches in God's house. And, and when, when the Lord says that through John to the church in Philadelphia, he is quoting Isaiah 22. And, and there was his steward in Isaiah 22, the two stewards, Shebna and Eliakim. Eliakim is a type of Christ. And and Eliakim, he has the key of David on his shoulder. It is just so awesome. And you know what the Lord does? He fires Shebna. <laughs> You're a bad steward. You're fired. And, and the verses in Isaiah 22, if you look at them, uh, if you look at the verses in Isaiah 22, I need to put this down. If you look at the verses in Isaiah 22, he was so upset with Shebna, it says he wound him up like a tight ball and threw him into a distant land. 
You know what shevna signifies? It signifies our stinking, rotten self. When you come into church life and you touch the Lord, he winds up yourself and your natural man like a ball and he throws you into a distant land. Throws your old man into a distant land, not your old being, right? Now, who is like him? He is a type of Christ. He has the key to the treasury of the house of God. This steward is in our spirit. And so when we exercise our spirit, the key unlocks the door of the treasury of God's riches. Amen. And since this key is so big, you know, I don't have keys on me. But if you have a key to car, it's that big. This key is so massive, you had to carry it on his shoulder. That means the door is massive. It's like, open up the door to the Fort Knox of the unsearchable riches of Christ. I don't know if they still have a lot of gold there. I don't know. <laughs> But anyway, and then, and then it says, I put before you an open door which no one can shut. Brent says, look at the Lord's recovery today. Forget about your problem. Don't be a frog in a well. Oh, you're just croaking, right? Oh, oh, oh. And you're looking around, right? You need to look up. Look at, look at what, what Dick and James shared about Ghana, about Ethiopia. Can you imagine that? Addis Ababa. There's a church in Addis Ababa. I put before you an open door, which no one can shut. No one can shut that door. Okay. What else? Here's the God-man living. You have superhuman power. Does it say that in Revelation 3.8? You have power to fly around the meeting hall. It says you have a little power. Amen. That is against my concept. That's against our natural concept. Here are these overcomers in Philadelphia. They're loving the Lord. They're being built into God. God's being built into them. They are exercising their spirit to unlock the unsearchable riches of Christ. He's flowing in their being. They're in one accord. They're enjoying God. They're expressing God. But they have a little power. Right? Which means... And I love the footnote. It says, and saints, isn't it something? You know, I don't know about you. I'm talking to the older saints now. When I came into church up as a young person, I, I think I just, I was on every service group. One time I went to one of the leading brothers. I said, brother, I'm, th I'm getting a little, you know, I'm getting a little strung out here, you know? And then he said, well, let's tell me what you're on. And I had this big list. He goes, Man, Ed, you're hardly doing anything at all. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like maintenance, you know, tape room, vacuum in the car, ushering. You know, we, and we should be like that when we're young people. We should be crazy lovers of Jesus, you know. He did a lot of things. He was so strong. And then we get older. And Cynthia, is Thomas here? Hey, Thomas, are you as strong as you were when you were... First came when you were a young person? Can you do the same amount of stuff? <laughs> Me neither, brother. Me neither. I remember I used to love serving on, uh, on uh, Bruce, I forget what we called that service group. It was like maintenance and gardening. You remember? We come together on Saturday morning to mow the lawn in the meeting hall. Remember when I first came out, I said, why are these people coming here on Saturday morning to mow somebody else's grass? doesn't make any sense to me, you know? But, but then I realized, oh, we need to serve the Lord in the church. And we would come together 
And uh, before we get the lawnmowers out and everything, we would just pray, read the word together. <laughs> if, you, if you went by that door, you could hear us pray, read, pray. We would come out of that door, get me to the grass. You know? <laughs> Cut everything. <laughs> It's wonderful. And while brothers mowing, another brother's reading the Bible to him, you know, oh, it's, it's just so precious. There's so many experiences of that. But I can't, I can't do that. I'm very limited, you know. I'm like, a, I used to be a piece of butter on ten pieces of toast. Now I feel like a half a piece of butter on a half a piece of toast. You know, you just, you know. But, but okay. <laughs> But brothers and sisters, thank the Lord we have a little power. Amen. And the footnote is so precious. It says, what pleases the Lord is not our doing much for him, but our doing our best for him Amen. with what we have. Amen. Yeah, this much. Do that much. Amen. Do that much. A little bit of gold is worth more than a mountain of wood, grass, and stubble. Amen. And you've kept my word. Amen. That means you say amen to every verse in the Bible. You don't say, well, this doesn't apply. This is a 21st century. You know, we need to do things to be in the, 20, you know, this and that. No, we say amen to the word. Amen. Word says one church, one city. We say amen. Amen. It costs you to say amen, right? But it also is glorious the way you enjoy God. Amen. Let it be so, Lord. How else do we keep the word? We pray, read the word. It says, you have not denied my name. We only take the name of Jesus. Right? We don't take another name. Who's the church? Mrs. Christ. That's the, that's the name I take. I don't take another name. And not only that, we don't deny the Lord's name because we call on the Lord's name. Let's call on the Lord's name right now. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. That's a new revival. You see that? The recovery of the entire New Testament ministry. Psalm 23, church in Philadelphia. Brothers and sisters, when the Lord speaks something, his hand follows to carry out what he's speaking. I believe all this speaking from, from the brothers, all this speaking from the ministry that we're getting into, we're speaking to one another. The Lord's hand will follow his speaking. Amen. Now, let's look at this uh, outline. Having a clear view. Amen. Oh, hallelujah for the clear Amen. view. Amen. Saints, what I just shared with you is the new revival. We need to have a clear view concerning the present situation and the present need in the Lord's recovery. Amen. Roman number one, we need to see that teaching different things other than the unique ministry of God's economy creates division. Saints, isn't it good we can have a weekend to be under the unique teaching of God's economy? Amen. Teaching anything else causes division. How can you tell if something's the, 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 the New Testament ministry or not? The New Testament ministry brings you into the enjoyment of Christ, into loving Christ, and builds up the body of Christ, and brings you into the oneness of the Spirit, which is the reality of the body of Christ. Any ministry that brings you into division causes discord, causes confusion, because what about this, what about that? That is not the New Testament ministry, is it? No. If we brothers come here and we leave and you're all, 
what is this? What about this? What? That'd be ter- that's not the New Testament ministry. Am I right? Okay, I'll say more in a little bit. Okay, where am I? The ministry of the New Testament, which is the ministry of the New Covenant, is uniquely one universally. These verses talk about this ministry and the ministry. There's only one ministry. My body has one ministry. I have one body, right? One ministry, one circulation. Saints, it's so logical. Think about it. In the Old Testament, what was there? The temple. That is the ministry, to build the temple. Now, Brother Jim and I, you know, and Keith, we have different functions. And Jim might be on that side of the temple, right? Building, I don't see him, I'm on this side. But we're building the same temple. Right? And what is it in the the New Testament? It's the body of Christ. So Jim is in Newton, I'm in Anaheim, right? Daniel's in Cambridge. We're all from, from different, we're building up the one body of Christ. Amen. In different localities. But we're building up the same body. Amen. That's why when we, listen, you could invite anyone from Moscow, uh, Ghana, everyone would feel at home here, right? Amen. Everyone. Ethiopia. Ethiopia. <laughs> it's because we're building up the same one body. Now, now uh, A says, any te- did I say that? Any teaching other than the unique teaching of God's economy is considered by the apostles as a different teaching. The ministry of the New Testament is according to the apostles' teaching. The teaching of God's New Testament economy for the building up of the body of Christ to consummate the New Jerusalem. Amen. See, the New Testament ministry is uniquely one in corporate. But because this ministry is the service of the body of Christ, and because the body has many members, every member has its own personal ministry. And what that means is every member has its function. Right? You have your function. You have your measure. I have my function. I have my measure. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, man, what Paul is so awesome to me. He saw the body and he said, he talked about the eye and the ear, right? And he said, you know, you know, one member can't say to another member, um, I have no need of you, right? And, and one member can't say to another member, oh, because I'm not brother I, I'm not of the body. I can't do what brother so-and-so do, does, so forget about it. I mean, just think if my ears did that. Oh, I can't see like brother eyes. So forget about it. I'm going to stop hearing. That'd be, that would be terrible, right? That would be terrible. So we all have our personal ministry. But my personal function is to build, is, is in the one corporate ministry. Amen. You see? And it's for the building up of the one body. Amen. It's not for the building up of my denomination or my, quote, quote, you know, you use ministry in a perverted way. You see? It's my ministry. It's terrible. I am in the ministry. Amen. And you are too. Amen. Ministry of the Spirit. Amen. Ministry of righteousness. Ministry of reconciliation. Amen. To build up the one body. Amen. And we all have a function, a personal function and ministry in that one ministry. D, although the ministers are many... All these ministers have only one corporate ministry, which is the New Testament ministry. 
To teach differently tears down God's building and annuls God's entire economy. Only one kind of ministry builds up and never divides. This is the unique ministry of God's economy. If the different teachings of the dissenting ones are winds used by God's enemy to distract his people and carry them away from his economy. These different teachings are the major source of the church's decline, degradation, and deterioration. It's very, very critical that we just teach this teaching, the teaching of God's economy, which is the teaching of God's household administration, which is God in Christ as the Spirit to dispense himself into us with all his unsearchable riches so that our spirit is regenerated, our soul is transformed, and our body is glorified, and all his divine attributes become our human virtues, and we become him, he becomes us, we're built into him, He's built into us for the glory of the triune God, for his radiant expression in the universe forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That is God's economy. Now, gee, the basic factor of all the divisions, their very root, is different ministries. All the troubles, divisions, and confusions come from the one source of the tolerance of different ministries. One, if we are not watchful, if we are careless. Listen, this was spoken by our brother in 1984. He saw this coming. And I'm so glad this is in print. If we are not watchful, we are careless in one way or another. The enemy would creepingly use some means, some ways, to bring in different ministries. Such a thing would end the Lord's recovery. Saints, that's serious. That is serious. If I'm a leading one in a locality, and, and, you know, I can speak for James Dick and I, you know, we're, you know, we're in certain localities, we take the lead. I, I'm responsible to God to bring the saints into this one ministry. Amen. I can't allow another ministry to come into my locality. God, the Lord will hold me responsible. He'll hold me responsible. Why didn't you stop? Why didn't you stop that? And, and, of course, positively, we minister the one ministry. But if there's different ministries coming and think, what happens? Division. All the denominations come from different ministries. You know that, right? We're in the Lord's recovery. Hey, Michael, aren't you glad to be in the Lord's recovery? Me too, brother. <laughs> You know, Brother Michael, he's, uh, I, I, I talked to him last night. He's looking forward to going to the college age conference. End of Amen. October, right? Amen. So, so pray for me that I get there, that Michael and I get there together. Amen. You know, Michael's in New Haven. Can you believe there's a church in New Haven? Amen. There's lovers of God at Yale. Amen. You know, Michael, when I think of Yale, I just think of like, Huge cerebrums and, you know, like people that, you know, like you, you're so smart, you know. But here you are, you're a crazy lover of Jesus, Michael. Amen. At Yale. Amen. Is that the Lord's recovery? Amen. At Harvard, MIT, Brown. Amen. Wherever. Amen. I think the IQ in the recovery has really gone up since I was in <laughs> Of course, it was always high here in New England. You know? <laughs> but we realize that doesn't matter, right? 
Well, what's the matter is this, Michael? You realize our mind needs to be renewed, right? Okay, two, if you could take away all the different ministries and leave only the all the different, it should almost be quote, quote ministries because it's not something in the ministry. And you leave only the unique ministry of the New Testament, all the denominations, all the different groups, and all the divisions would disappear. If we carry out something new, something different, something other than this unique ministry, we will be through as far as the Lord's recovery is concerned. Actually, the Lord's recovery is to bring us back to the unique ministry of the New Testament. And that's why I share with you about the ministry. You can see that's the new revival. Ancient, the saints who have been raised up by this ministry have a taste for this ministry. And this taste is the controlling factor in the Lord's recovery. This taste controls the Lord's recovery. Don't you have a taste for this ministry? You know, Kathy, you got three boys, right? Tell me their names again. Matthew, Jeffrey, and Wesley. Who's the littlest one? Jeffrey. I've got a picture. I'm standing with Jeffrey. I forget how many years ago this was. And I'm standing there with their, with their, with their boys, three boys. And Jeffrey's right up to my kneecap here. I don't know. Where is he now? Is he up? Is he? <laughs> he's, they're so cute. They're little. I love them. They're little boys. Anyway, what, now why was I talking about that? Okay, now here's why I was talking about that. I mean, you know, Kathy, I was at their house, and Kathy shepherded me and made food for me. And your boys, they have a certain taste, right? Amen. They have a certain taste. They like that taste. And and then he just, I don't. They probably have their favorite food, right? They, oh, Mama, cook me this. You give it to them, they're just so happy, you know. But, you know, if Kathy brought in, you know, this, you know, when you grow up in a country, you have taste for certain things, right? Like I noticed the, the, <laughs> the Chinese-speaking saints. You know, we went to Israel, and uh, my wife and I, Chris Wild and Ron, we were there, and, and a lot of saints from Taiwan, brothers from Taiwan. So we're in Israel, and we're on a bus, and the saints are Taiwan, they see a Chinese restaurant. And they go, stop the bus. I mean, what? They almost... I said, man, Chinese restaurants have conquered the world. Even in Israel. It's because their taste. You see what I mean? They're, stop the bus. And Ron and I are there, you know. the bus. Even the chopsticks... They say, oh, the, the food tastes better with chopsticks. <laughs> you have a taste for that, right? Listen, in the, in the Lord's recovery, if you tried to feed the... Well, I know people that come here to the U.S. from other countries, they have, it's hard because you have a different taste. One time I invited all the brothers, a lot of brothers from Mexico, went to training. I invited them over my house. This house is filled with saints from Mexico. And we fixed turkey and dressing. And, and they were eating it, and, and I said, Ruth, you better get out the hot sauce, you know. So we put a hot sauce. The whole big ball, it was all gone. They put it all over the turkey. They couldn't taste anything. This dear brother in Anaheim, he grew up in Thailand. Wherever he goes, he takes this red rocket hot powder with him everywhere. Sprinkles it on. That's his taste. Now, what is our taste? It's not for rocket powder, right? 
our case is this ministry. Amen. You feed us something else. We don't like that. I don't want that. Don't feed me with that. I wasn't raised on that. I was raised on these footnotes. Amen. I was raised on, now we're at the end of this age. We're standing on many people's shoulders. We realize that. But because of the Lord's mercy, where we are, the entire New Testament ministry has been recovered. Amen. God's economy, that's what I have. Isn't that what you have a taste for? Amen. If I tried to feed my kids, you know, I use sea cucumber because, brother, you use that example. I had sea cucumber one time. And, it, it, you know, I was with Albert. Albert said, Ed, this is so nourishing. You know, it's so healthy. I said, okay. I, I was like, get, Lord Jesus, I just, you know, and I, I ate the whole thing. I said, that is my sea cucumber for the rest of my life. That is <laughs> I'm just and I know it's good, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I know some of you saints really like it, praise the Lord. But that's, that's just not my taste, you know. If I tried to feed my boys things that weren't according to this, they would say, Dad, we don't like it here anymore. What are you doing? Why are you giving us this? Why are you feeding us with octopuses and eels? You know, there is, you know. Why are you feeding us with this? What are you doing, Dad? We don't. We're out of here. And you say, why don't they receive my ministry? Well, they don't. They don't that's not their taste. So you try to introduce another taste. You think, oh, these, these, my children are rebelling against me. No, you overthrew yourself. And let me read on. Those who have been raised up by this ministry will reject a taste that is contrary to it. This means that if you speak something contrary to the taste of the Lord's recovery, your speaking will be rejected and you will suffer loss. We've seen this. Okay, I have to go quickly. I'm sorry it took so long. I'll read through this quickly. Two, the problem of rebellion among us comes out of certain divisive factors. A, the intention to do an extra work within the unique work of the Lord's recovery is a divisive factor. In the Lord's recovery, there is one unique work, for the accomplishment of God's eternal economy to build up the body of Christ. B, the tendency to keep separate territories is a divisive factor. We should work for the Lord within his measure, but we should not consider what the Lord has measured to us as our particular territory. There's no territories in the body, is there? If you, you know, I'm on my forearm and I go to my bicep, I don't say, oh, I'm crossing the, you know, into another territory. I don't do that, right? Uh, you know, when we come, to, I don't, I'm in the same, I'm in the same body here. It's terrible to feel that you're, oh, I'm in another territory. And I have to check in. I have to check in with certain people. But give them my passport, my visa, Ed Marks, Anaheim. I mean, that, that's not the body of Christ. And, and if I do a labor, that's not my territory. This is the body of Christ. See, the way of not having one's work mingled with others' work is a divisive factor. Peter's work for the Lord and Paul's were all for the one body of Christ without any distinction or separation. You know, saints, and we look at this, and rightly so, you know, you can interpret this, well, the saints, they shouldn't have made, they shouldn't have said, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, you know, uh, I'm of Apollos. They shouldn't have done that. We realize that. Okay, that's their side. But there was something wrong on the co-worker's side. Why could they say that? You see what I mean? Who raised up the church in Corinth? You tell me. Who was their spiritual father? Paul was. 
If I were Peter and I went there, I would have done everything in fellowship with Paul. I would have, I would have, you know, and I would have blamed with Paul. I'd have ministered what Paul ministered. And then when I left, they would have never said, I'm of Cephas. You see, wouldn't that be terrible? We came here and said, you know, I'm of Dick. I'm of James, right? That's terrible, right? There shouldn't be any question. Brother Lee said, if there's a question in, in somebody, are you one with Brother Lee? That's serious that someone would have that question. You see? That means there's a crack between Brother Lee and I. You know, I heard that. I said, Lord, I pray there'd never be a crack between me and Brother Lee. I like to be intrinsically one with him for the rest of my life. I really mean that. We just minister what he ministers. You know, I tell you, this is our family here. I tell you, when I first came in, in the Lord's Recovery, I was in a meeting within a couple weeks, and Benson was sharing. And the brother that was taking care of me, I was brand new. And I thought that all the saints in Houston, I was in Houston, I thought, man, these people, they all testify, you know, they all pop up. Then Benson got up, and Benson started sharing a long time. And I remember, why is that brother sharing so long? You know, because I thought everybody, anyway, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what Benson's measure was, who Benson was. And the brother was taking care of me. He goes, he goes Ed, you see that brother? He said, he just speaks what brother Lee speaks. And I, from that, I tell you, I don't know what happened. I didn't have a lot of understanding like that inside of me. I said, I want to be exactly like that. I want to be like, I want to be like Benson. Anyway, uh, Dave Becker said the other day, he goes, Ed, you're coming here like Benson coming here. I was so happy to hear that. And, and Dick and Dick, I mean, when we come here, we want to bring we want to bring the ministry, right? Amen. Want to bring our brother's ministry here? Amen. Okay, where am I? See, I'm sorry. The way of not having one's work mingle with others' work is I already said that. Okay, D. The hidden expectation of being a prominent figure in the Lord's work is a divisive factor. You want to be prominent. E, the negligence regarding the keeping of the one accord in the Lord's recovery. That's a divisive factor. Saints, listen to this. Many of the dissenting accusations of the rebellious, divisive, and factious persons today are the same accusations of Satan in the previous turmoil among us. You know, you read, I, I don't have time. You read, the, I've got this reference. You look at them. It's the same accusation. There's nothing new under the sun, even in rebellions. You look at all the accusations. Let me I, look. I just maybe just read a few. Pressuring of all the saints in the churches to conform to the ministry in full uniformity. 1987. Did you same thing? Anyway, you need to read this. I'm reading it now. Let me give you another accusation. Our attitude toward other Christians. That was an accusation. Same today. What is our attitude toward other Christians? We love all the Christians. Amen. We love all the believers. Amen. But we don't compromise. We don't agree with, with division, with denominationalism. That's not, we, we're, we're here for the oneness. Amen. And we love all the believers. That's our standing. When you stand on the ground of the church, you are making a stand to love all the brothers Amen. and all the sisters. Amen. But Brother Nee said, just because you love all the brothers doesn't mean they'll all love you. 
And that's true. Actually, when you make a stand to love all the brothers, you will be misunderstood. You will be rejected. But my point is, saints, you read this. All the same accusations. All the, you have to realize that's the devil. That's the devil. I just tell you, I was in a medical clinic. Actually, I, I thank the Lord for Andrew and the brothers. They sent me to this medical clinic. I'll just tell you. It was a Seventh-day Adventist uh, medical clinic. And, uh, you know, anyway, the doctor that was taking care of me, he was such a dear brother. I really love, I love this brother to this day. And, and when I go to visit him, we pray together. Amen. I was one with him. I got trained that way. Amen. That's outstanding. Amen. I think the brothers have seen Brother Lee with different, all different Christians. Now, he loves all the Christians, right? Amen. I've seen him with Dr. Ryrie. Oh, I didn't actually see him with Dr. Ryrie. I heard about it. Benson Ray with him. You know, the Ryrie study Bible. And Brother Lee met with Dr. Ryrie. Anyway, this brother, we pray together. Then one time he said to me, he goes, Ed, uh, do you memorize the Bible? I said, yes, yeah, some, sometime, uh, Dr. Lukens, I said, but what I really do is I pray over the Bible. Amen. So tell me about that. So I showed him my prayer reading. He said, that's wonderful. And then, and then one time, you know, I didn't tell him anything about, you know, just fellowship with him. Then one night I was in my room. You know, this is a medical clinic. And uh, I hear a knock on the door. And it's Dr. Lukens. He said, Ed, come with me. He said, the staff is going to pray for this one woman here at the clinic. And I want you to come and pray with us. Amen. With the whole staff. I said, Dr. Lukens, I'm not, a, I'm not like a pastor or anything. He goes, oh, yes, you are. You come with me. I said, oh, Lord. You know, I couldn't believe, well, you know, why did he do that? He would have done that with you brothers, too. And then, and then anyway, we went. And he was, they were going to pray about healing, you know. So I said, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? You know, because I, I, I can't pray anything that you're not praying. It was so good. They said, look, the Lord, they told this sister, the Lord, he can heal you in a number of ways. He can heal you instantly. He can heal you by grace gradually. But eventually when you're raptured, your whole being's going to be healed. I said, amen. <laughs> so we prayed for this sister. Well, anyway. My point is, is don't take the lies. Rule number three. Okay. The way to deal with any present rebellious and divisive situation is to pay full attention to the truth concerning the church as the body of Christ and as the house and the kingdom of God. To keep the truth at any cost, to reject any kind of division, to stand against any wind of teaching and any spreading of spiritual death, and to separate ourselves from the contagious ones. Hey. In today's situation, it's not a matter of being right or wrong. It's a matter of whether it's divisive or not. I come here and say, oh, I'm right. I do this right. I do that right. You're causing turmoil. Some of the saints are bothered. Well, if some of the saints are bothered, I better back up. I better fellowship. Right? I better consider. Why are the saints troubled? Well, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm serving the Lord. But people here are bothered. Well, I need to stop. I need to say, why? I need to go to the Lord. I need to fellowship with the brothers. I need to do everything in the limitation of the fellowship of the body. Right or wrong. Amen. Being neutral does not build up, but destroys the body of Christ. 
We need to practice the body life by receiving the believers and turning away from those who make divisions. To keep the truth, we need to overcome personal affection with a vow of a Nazarite. We need to put aside our natural relationships and practice the truth of the body. Amen. We need to be inoculators. Amen. Those who are full of life and constituted with the truth to inoculate others against the decline of the church. Eve, we need to stand on the unique ground of the local churches of God and pay the price to enter into the practice and intrinsic significance of blending for the oneness and reality of the body of Christ. Amen. And Roman numeral four is the banner. We must receive the Lord's mercy to be his overcomers Amen. who bring in a new revival to turn the age in the Lord's present recovery by arriving at the highest peak of the divine revelation, living the life of a God-man, shepherding people according to God in the vital groups for the building up of the body of Christ, the preparation of the bride of Christ. Amen. Now, let's read A all together. We can enter into a new revival by arriving at the highest peak of the divine revelation through the ministry of the age. The particular recovery and work God is doing in one age is the ministry of that age. In every age, there is the vision of that age. And we have to serve God according to the vision of the age. Okay, now let's come down to B and read B. If we practice living the life of a God-man, which is the reality of the body of Christ, a corporate model will be built up, a model living in the economy of God. This model will be the greatest revival in the history of the church to bring the Lord back. And let's come to C. Read C. We need to coordinate with Christ in His heavenly ministry to shepherd people according to God in the vital groups for the fulfillment of the economy of God. Okay, how about we stand up and read two and three together under this. Let's, let's stand up. I hope that we would pray, Lord, I want to be revived. From today, I want to be a shepherd. I want to go to feed people to shepherd people, and to flock people together. If we practice these things, there will be a real revival in the Lord's recovery. We must be shepherds with the loving and forgiving heart of our Father God and His divinity and the shepherding and finding spirit of our Savior Christ in His humanity. We also must have the heavenly vision of all the divine and mystical teachings of Christ. Shepherding and teaching are the obligation of the vital groups and the basic way ordained by God to build up the body of Christ, consummating the new Jerusalem. Okay, saints, uh, let's have some sharing now. If we do 30 seconds each, uh, we can at least take 10 minutes, maybe 15. We take 10 minutes, we have 20 sharing. Take 15 minutes, we have 30 sharing. 